Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at Jesus. We've looked at how he is fully God, yet totally man. We've looked at how his coming was foretold by the prophets, how he came as a prophet, as a priest and a king, and how he was born of a virgin. And this Jesus that we've been looking at is the same Jesus who taught the foolish, fed the hungry, healed the sick, encouraged those who were broken hearted, counselled those who were going off the way, and loved sinners. But despite everything he did, Jesus was totally emphatic that his primary purpose in coming to earth was to suffer and to die. In John 12:27, which tells us about the week leading up to his death, he says himself, Now is my soul troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And you can see that even in that moment, Jesus was already setting his eyes on the cross. Now crucifixion. We tend to associate crucifixion with Jesus and with the Romans. But in fact, it was a cruel method of death that was invented by the Persians somewhere around 500 BC. But then... You have to say that the Romans perfected it. And it was a way of death that continued, and it wasn't outlawed until the time of Constantine. And that was in about the 4th century AD. But in the days of Jesus, crucifixion was reserved for the most horrendous crimes. Even the worst Romans tended to be beheaded rather than crucified. The Jews considered it a horrific mode of death. In Deuteronomy 21 it says, And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree... His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. The Jewish historian Josephus called crucifixion the most wretched of deaths. Cicero, the Roman philosopher, said decent Roman citizens wouldn't even speak of the cross because it was too disgraceful for the ears of decent people. Yet during the Second World War, Nazis crucified Jews. The Khmer Rouge 
performed crucifixions in Cambodia. And even today, crucifixion continues in the Sudan. It's a popular subject. It's even hit the TV show CSI. And in an episode called Double Cross, the star of the show investigates the death of a woman who died by crucifixion on a cross in a Catholic church. And interestingly enough, in that episode she says, Jesus died for our sins, and then tried to uncover why the woman died. And in that episode, there were some very accurate medical discussions about the whole nature of death by crucifixion. And they correctly concluded that Jesus died on a cross from asphyxiation. The pain of crucifixion is so horrendous that a word was invented to describe it. It's excruciating. It actually means from the cross. A crucified person would hang on the cross for days. They would pass in and out of consciousness as their lungs struggled to breathe while they laboured under lifting the weight of their body. It wasn't uncommon for those being crucified to deliberately slump forward on the cross in an effort to empty their lungs to hasten their own death. To ensure that the suffering was at an absolute maximum, people were scourged before crucifixion. It was a painful event and often people died from that alone without even making it as far as the cross. Jesus' hands would have been chained above his head. His back and legs would have been exposed to the executioner's whip. And that was similar to the sailor's cat of nine tails. It had a series of long leather strips and on the end of the strips were heavy balls of metal and bits of bone and hooks. And they would tenderise the flesh, much like we sometimes tenderise a steak with a wooden mallet. And the hooks would cut into the flesh and as the whip was pulled back would remove chunks of flesh from the body. Hundreds of years before Christ died, the prophet Isaiah predicted this. He said, Many were astonished at you. Your appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and your form beyond that of the children of mankind. And then they took a strip of thorns and wove it into a crown and pushed it down onto his head. And they mocked Jesus and called him the King of the Jews. As the thorns dug into his scalp, the blood would have begun to flow down his face, causing his hair and his beard to become a bloodied, matted mess. His eyes would have been burning 
as the sweat and the blood came into them. And while this was going on, they took his robe and they played a game to see who should win it. And then he had to pick up a roughly cut wooden crossbar weighing probably about 100 pounds. Carry it on his bare, bloodied, cut and raw back and shoulders to the place of his own crucifixion. That cross probably already had on it the blood of other men because timber was an expensive commodity and so they probably recycled them. And so Jesus' blood mixed on the cross with the blood of other men who'd walked that same path before him. And despite his young age and his good health, Jesus was so physically devastated from his sleepless night, from miles of walking, from his severe beating and whipping, that he collapsed under the weight. And unable to carry it alone, another man was appointed to carry his cross for him. And then when they arrived at the place of crucifixion, they pulled out his beard. It was an act of ultimate disrespect in their culture. And then they spat on him, they mocked him, and they did all that in front of his family and his friends. And then Jesus, the carpenter, who'd many times driven nails into wood with his own hands, had seven-inch rough metal spikes driven through the most sensitive part of the human body, his hands and his feet. At this point, the pain must have been unbearable. And then having been nailed to the cross, the cross was lifted up and dropped into a prepared hole. And that would have caused his body to fall violently with its full weight onto those metal spikes. And then as a further sign of mockery, they put above his head, Jesus of Nazareth. King of the Jews. And now, as he laboured to breathe, his body may have gone into shock. He would be naked, he would be embarrassed. Often, people being crucified would take the last opportunity to try and mock the crowd who were jeering at them. They would curse their tormentors. And some of them are commentated actually urinating or spitting on the people who were watching. Some of them became so overwhelmed with pain that they became incontinent. And a pool of sweat, of blood, of urine and faeces gathered at the foot of the cross. 
Jesus' crucifixion must have been a grotesque scene. It wasn't the sanitised scene that we see in films. And Isaiah saw it that way. He said, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. As if all this wasn't bad enough, none of this happens in privacy. This is not a dignified act. This is an act of public shame. But it was common. It was commonly practiced. Tens of thousands of people were crucified in the ancient world. Just as one example, when Spartacus died in battle, 6,000 of his followers were crucified in one day. They were lined up along a road and the line of crosses stretched for 120 miles. But as a general rule, it was only the men who were crucified. Once in a while they would crucify people at ground level. In effect, so that even the kids could come along, look them in the eye and spit on them. And make fun of them as they hung on the cross. On the rare occasion that a woman was crucified, they hung her facing the cross. Because even in that barbaric culture, they wouldn't watch a woman die in such pain. On the day Jesus died, we know there were two other men hung either side of him. And some years later, Peter was to be crucified. And it's reported that he didn't consider himself worthy of dying like Jesus. And so he asked to be hung upside down. And that request was granted. As he hung upside down, struggling for breath, he must have closed his eyes in death and opened them again to see his Saviour. But the biggest scandal of this all is the fact that Christians look upon the cross and have the cheek to call it good news. Good news. Do you want to hear what people's opinions of the cross is? Rousseau said, If Socrates lived and died like a philosopher, Jesus lived and died like a god. 
John Knox said to remember Jesus is to remember first of all his cross the Puritan John Owen said there is no death of sin without the death of Christ and Martin Luther King Jr. said in that dramatic scene on Calvary's hill three men were crucified we must never forget that all three were crucified for the same crime the crime of extremism but two were extremists for immorality and thus fell below their environment the other Jesus was an extremist for love, truth and goodness. And what's even more peculiar, not only do we call the cross good news, but the cross which represents that tortuous death of Jesus has become perhaps the most famous and most popular symbol in all of history. The early Christians would make the sign of the cross over their bodies with their hand. They would adorn their necks and their homes with crosses to celebrate the brutal death of Jesus. One comedian once commented that if Jesus had been killed in our age, then school children would be wearing little nooses or electric chairs around their necks instead of crosses. But the cross remains a powerful, controversial religious image with debates over whether it can be worn or not at work. So the big question the big question is this how on earth can Christians celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus as good news how can it be the best news they've ever heard and to answer that question we have to move we have to move from the historical fact of Jesus' death into its theological meaning to understand Jesus' death on the cross and what we call the atonement we first have to look at the doctrines of God's character God's creation human sin and the response of God to sin and to sinners and the seven truths that are absolutely essential to understanding the significance of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. <coughs> the first truth is this. God is holy and without any sin. Do you agree with that? When we look at death, when we look at evil, 